When you see someone's profile on LinkedIn and you see their achievements, you think to yourself, wow, this person has reached somewhere in his life. But that's the point where we go wrong. You see, when you achieve something, a lot of your shortcomings goes unnoticed, your struggle goes unnoticed, your pain goes unnoticed. And this is something what I've learned from my upcoming guest. He's worked in some of the top media conglomerates as a TV news presenter and has adapted to the changes in the media industry. I have with me the founder of Kukutu Media and the former TV news presenter at CNN to discuss about new media. Please welcome Jason Daisy. Enjoy the podcast and welcome to the Pawnspot Show. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm doing well, RJ. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure to call you upon this podcast. And thank you very much for agreeing for this podcast. And I understand that you have a really busy schedule and it really means a lot in getting you for this podcast. Thank you for agreeing for it. No, my pleasure. It's always good to uh, work with aspiring uh, media professionals. So if it can help, then I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, so a few days back, I saw the content that was published by your company, that is uh, Kukutu Media on YouTube, where you had some really enjoyable conversation with different people that range from uh, fashion designers to, show, to social entrepreneurs to even entrepreneurs. And that was something that I really enjoyed. So may I ask on what made you interested in creating this company? Yes, yeah, so um, Cockatoo Media is my own small company and it began when I was in Singapore um, and now I'm in Australia. So uh, I just wanted a, a, you know, an outlet, a platform uh, to do what I like doing, uh, which is telling stories on diff different kind of uh, media, whether it's uh, radio, whether it's TV, whether it's uh, digital media in, in terms of print. Um, yeah, so I, I previously had a, another company, uh, Daisy Media, named after me. But then when I was in Singapore and I was kind of spending more time in Australia and, and I was born in Sydney, and cockatoo is a, the native bird of Australia, one of the native birds. And uh, I renamed it because I thought it would be uh, kind of fun. And, and I've used uh, cockatoo media to work for big companies like Disney, ESPN, um, Singapore Press Holdings, SPH. Uh, so it's kind of growing, but it's it's pretty small. It's m mostly just me, but I do work with a lot of different vendors uh, across uh, Asia Pacific through my company. So it's actually registered in Singapore, but I'm in Australia now, and I continue to uh, keep it going uh, as you were uh, in Asia. Mm, absolutely, talking about stories is something that has also intrigued me a lot. And as you said earlier, cockatoo is. Um, is a bird because I didn't know that to be honest. Um, I did some research on that and. I also happened to hear in one of your episode with, um, with, I believe, with a fashion designer where you said that cockatoo is one of your favorite bird as well, right? <laughs> and uh, it, since it, it, it originates from your country, that is Australia. So is that particularly the reason why you named your media company Cockatoo or is there a different story behind it? Yeah, I mean, I've always loved cockatoos and I've lived uh, most of my um career abroad, uh, whether it's Asia, whether it's US, whether it's UK, uh, and I've done extensive work in India, uh, mm -hmm. as you probably know. So 
I always, of course, uh, feel very Australian. And when I used to go back to Australia, I would always look at the beautiful birds here. Right. And I thought cockatoos are magical birds. Um, kookaburra is probably the one that a lot of people know. That's, um, in fact, the cricket ball in Australia is named kookaburra. Uh, a lot of Indians would, would know that. Oh, yeah. Um, uh -huh. So I, I prefer uh, cockatoos to kookaburras because of the way that they look. And, um, of course, they have the ability to, you know, like a parrot, they can talk back to you. So uh, as I made a career decision to sort of eventually move back to Australia, I decided that um, the best way to do that would be to come up with a name that has an integration to Australia. So even though the company was set up in Singapore, uh, it was a time when I was spending more uh, of my time uh, working in Australia. And here I am. I've been back in Australia for about 12 months, um, right. having been abroad most of the last 25 years. So that's uh, how two came to be. Absolutely. And um, talking about uh, your company and uh, since the content that is produced, it is uh, put up on YouTube. And if I'm not wrong, YouTube is a platform that is supporting new media. I'm talking about podcasting, vlogging, even talking about blogs. All of this is supported by these different platforms. And um, right now, what I feel is that anyone around the world who has a connection to internet and has a strong social media platform, he or she can practically publish anything and everything. They can talk about anything, whatever they please. So do you feel, uh, since you have been in this industry since the past, I think, more than 30 years, do you feel that because of this freedom given to everyone, has it somehow um, depleted the value of content because of the abundance that is available right now? Yeah, I think um, in a way, you know, when I started my career, it was actually 40 years ago, would you believe? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I think, uh, you know, the word blogger came into to vogue probably 20 years ago, or maybe even, you know, around that time, maybe 15 years ago. So from having a very specialized pool of uh, journalists or media professional suddenly everybody was um a media professional <laughs> effectively because they had the uh, you know the, the obviously technology to do that so i think there's good and bad in that i think that means there's going to be more fake news out there because um it does take skill to report uh, facts accurately um so i mean there's it's kind of a two-sided thing you know we are getting a lot more content and a lot more video of things and I think the you know half of the world's photographs have been taken in the last two years in history, which shows you uh, how uh, evolved. Um, yeah, so it's I think it it can be a good thing, but it is more difficult for sure to get accurate information now because there's a lot more of it. And for me, I uh, like the YouTube platform because it is a way of me sharing things that I've done that people may not have heard if they didn't hear the radio broadcast in Singapore. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of a good thing to do for me because it, it does make it uh, available to everyone and they can go back and see it. So, yeah, as a content maker, I think YouTube is great. But for a consumer perspective, it's not always great. I think uh, it, there's a lot more disinformation out there, which seems a bit of a paradox because um, there's a great more volume of, of information out there. Absolutely. Because I, I see this the same times that we all are facing right now, which is the COVID-19 times. Initially, when it started to develop, there were, there were news that was broadcast that you don't need to wear a mask. Then there was news that you need to wear a mask. And then 
out of the and then uh, credible um, news outlets started uh, supporting these facts and figures and there's a lot of disinformation that is going on related to COVID-19 um, and also talking about that I had an interesting quote that I read uh, which Daniel uh, which Denzel Washington said once where he said that if you don't read the newspapers you are uninformed if you read them you're misinformed and that basically states on how the news outlets have this urge or this need to be first rather than being true and since you have had this huge experience with different companies so comparing the news that is published today to the to the years when you were a tv news presenter at cnn what is the key change that you have seen for yourself or an observation that you've seen well i mean of course the most obvious one is that um it's more about entertainment now more about opinions i mean i worked at cnn um for almost three years uh, up to about 2001 and it is a much different network now than it was um 19 years ago it's it's uh, because of market demand we've seen uh, a lot more opinion-based journalism and that that's uh, across the board whether it's uh, fox news uh, being very right-wing you know cnn tends to be quite left-wing yeah. And, you know, India, uh, we see a lot of very nationalistic um, TV channels now, which didn't exist to the, the same extent even, you know, 15 years ago. So that does mean that you are getting the news in a less pure form mm -hmm. and it, you're getting spin on your news, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, one thing that I'm doing very regularly now is working for the ABC News Australia website um, here in Australia where I'm working as an editor and writer and producer of uh, digital content. And right. of course, I've done this job for about six months. I mean, it's not a job, it's a casual work, but it's something I do within my um, scope. Mm -hmm. And I'm reporting almost essentially on coronavirus. And the frustrating thing to me is that there are so many conspiracy theories out there about coronavirus and I, uh, that it's been, been created to, you know, left-wing people to hurt Donald Trump. It's being created by the pharmaceutical companies and, and all this sort of nonsense. And to be honest, look, I've worked in, I, I love a conspiracy theory like anybody else, but to be honest, 90% of conspiracy theories are complete nonsense. Of course, probably some that, are, that there's truth, but as far as saying that coronavirus is made up or it's, it's a hoax, uh, it's uh, the common cold, it's like the flu and and you know, all this non is complete nonsense. It is complete nonsense. So that's, what Denzel Washington said, I can definitely understand what he said. You know, he's a great actor, one of my favorite actors. It is true that if you do read a, uh, you know, a newspaper or follow a, a media outlet, it can be, it can be uh, misinformation for sure. But it's up to us to try and find the news sources that are reputable and the ones that we can trust. And of course, ABC Australia is like the BBC in the UK who I've worked with. And generally, they're not always trying to be the fastest, but they're trying to be more accurate. Absolutely. Um, so I'd say, out there, please uh, do find trust, trustworthy uh, news sources to follow, and, and then you won't be misled by uh, news organizations. Uh, misinformation is something that a lot of people have been dealing with. And as per students as well, we have also been a target of that because we tend to get some information from a website, but when we look into an official page, it is a total different concept and a total different set of news and the points that is being presented. It is, it is I'd say, a hassle for, for the audience and for the students as well. Um, 
And also talking about students, I, uh, for my podcast, there are a lot of young listeners and I would like to tell them that uh, Jason over here, he has dedicated almost half of his entire, his, his life to media. Uh, he has worked as a news presenter for CNN, BBC, Sky News, uh, ESPN, and these are just the few names that uh, I wrote down. And currently, you are the founder of uh, Kakutu Media. And I want to ask you that has this network of your and this experience that you've had for more than 40 years uh, contributed in creating your own company? Or was it something that you had in the back of your mind where you thought that, okay, I would start up my company eventually, but first let me build on this experience and this confidence because that's something that is really important. Yeah, look, I, I think um, I was very grateful to work for the networks that you mentioned and more and, and learnt a lot and also had a good profile, been on the air across the world, um, made um, reasonable money. Um, but I think, you know, as we get older, uh, the opportunities often become narrower in, in these big organisations, you know, because we're, we're more expensive, I guess, and uh, <laughs> they might be for people. So it just, it's in a way, it's just been a natural evolution to, to get to my own company. Um, when I started Daisy Media about um, eight years ago in, in Singapore, that was a time when I was working at Astro in Malaysia, which is a big pay TV operation, a lot of your listeners would know it. Mm -hmm. And it gave me the, the possibility to do stuff on the side that I wouldn't do for Astro. Right. For example, I worked on a football podcast, I did uh, voiceovers, uh, I did emceeing. Mm -hmm. So I would use that company at that time to... Um, do the other stuff that I didn't do with Astro. At Astro, I was a VP of production for sport. I was a, uh, also the executive producer and coming up with show concepts and I was the main host. So anything I did outside Astro, I would do um, through Daisy Media. But once I uh, went out on my own about two years ago after I left uh, Disney under the ESPN, um, Disney under the ESPN banner, I started to, I changed it to the Cockatoo Media because I thought, well, now it's, not just the sideline, it's the main thing for me. And, um, you know, luckily I was able to do project work for um, my old company, Disney and ESPN in India, in Mumbai. Mm -hmm. So uh, Okatu Media, um, you know, suddenly was working in Mumbai and, and for some as well, working on major sports events there. So that was very satisfying that I was actually a full-time employee at ESPN and Disney in Singapore. And even though I left that job, I continued to work for them on a project basis doing things I was very passionate about, um, you know, and people remembered me from the old shows uh, that I'd done for India um, 15 years back or more, 20 years back. So that helps. So there was a legacy that I created by working for these big companies that I could use for my own company. Uh, and um, as I say to anyone, um, the hard work pays off eventually. You're not, you're not sure. There won't always be the immediate, um, you're thinking, well, why am I working so hard? Why am I working hard, you know, doubly mm -hmm. hard than this person? But it does pay off eventually. And for me, it took about 15 years for that to pay off. But it, it definitely did with the work I got in India um, through Cockatoo Media um, for um, Sony Entertainment and also for ESPN India. Mm -hmm. So you, you strongly believe that uh, if, for instance, you don't have these big names attached to you, and uh, if you have the content on your side, you can make a name in the media industry. Do you believe that? I think you can, but uh, you know my model's different because I, I'm a, I've straddled both times of media, right? So I've right. I've come from the days to, to today's days. So 
I'm different to someone like you or someone who's a millennial who's starting out so that the whole model has changed and it might be more difficult for someone like you and, and others to, to get the big company experience that I had because of the fewer opportunities. Uh, and of course there are different ways of, of generating revenue through YouTube and, and you know, YouTube views and you can get money from that and advertising. So I'm just kind of, I guess, segueing what I've done into, into that in, in mm -hmm. my baby boomer way, <laughs> but the way that a, a millennial would do it would be some, something different, you know? So we just got to work with what we know and, and what we, and of course I had to, you know, get into the digital age, even though I'd had 30 years of my career um, in analog pretty much or 25 years, sure. but uh, I needed to make that change. And that's why I'm, I'm grateful that I, I do have digital media skills now where I am actually working with 26 year olds at ABC and 23 year olds and being able to do the same job. Um, it's not something that I'm, I'm not trying to compete with them, but by having these digital skills where I can work with um, content management systems and I understand social media and, and all that, it's, it's made me uh, more employable um, getting work, you see. And, and there are a lot of people of my age, even a bit younger, I'm sure that you would know from India and, and, and Southeast Asia and who aren't at all um, tech savvy. And I'm, I'm not tech savvy. I'm not really tech savvy, but I've had to upskill to, um, to, to continue employment. So that, that's what I would say to you know, your listeners who might be a bit older and, and still not really upskilled. It's worth making the effort. You know, I, I've, I've had friends dropping out of um, broadcast media in their 40s, 30, late 30s and 40s, because they didn't see how they could fit in anymore. Uh, it's quite sad and uh, they're, they're a lot younger than me. Um, so even though I don't particularly enjoy all the tech technology around media, I I'm a bit old school. I like storytelling. I like being on TV. I'm glad I've done it because if I hadn't done it, it would be uh, a lot uh, tougher in terms of uh, opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also talking about the listeners, there is another segment that I tend to keep for my podcast. That is the recommendation part. And uh, from a personal experience, I am a student who is majoring in journalism. And like you, I aspire to be a TV news anchor one day. Um, so there are certain questions that I had in mind because I was really, really impressed by your portfolio that you've had for, with all these big companies. So uh, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, and I probably feel that uh, most of the students who are pursuing journalism may also want to ask is that while going in this field, uh, what, how should we get started as a freshman to as someone who's completed the degree? What should be the journey? What should, what should the journey be for a journalist? As in, uh, should we start working on the content and uh, how should we get that hands-on experience that most of the different companies like CNN, BBC demands for. How should we do that? How should we begin with it? Well, look, you know, people would look at my career and they'd go, wow, you work for all these big networks. You know, this guy must have had it made, you know, when he started out. Absolutely. And it couldn't be furthest from the truth. You know, I, I um, was a print guy. I was very self-conscious. I didn't like being photographed. Uh, I um, had bad, bad hair, bad clothes, uh, bad voice. Um, but the one thing that I had was uh, I was a good storyteller and I could write well. And when I look back now, and, I, and this kind of was unconscious at the time, but I realized that 
the deficiencies I had in the other areas in one in way were, were made up for initially by my ability to write and to tell stories. And even in the early stages of my TV career, when I wasn't very good at uh, present presentation and my voice wasn't good and all that, I, could, I always knew the good angle of the story and how to tell the story and what was interesting about it. So I'd say to you know, anyone out there that this is a very important thing, you know, to be able to know the angle and to be able to kind of find the cool things of any story and highlight them. And um, in the early days of me being in TV, and of course this was a different period where we had a lot of long form stories of current affairs shows, you know, I, even though I was quite poor as a presenter on, on camera, I was quite good at, at becoming, at being a storyteller, talking to people, getting good sound bites, um, and crafting like a filmmaker. You right. know? And uh, even then, I'm talking when I'm 23, you know, and, and I actually, I went to, I, I almost got a, a director's scholarship at the Australian Film and Television School at that time, based on a, on a, on a long form, um, kind of like a mini documentary for a current affairs show about prison. Right. And, and, you know, I look back and I, and I was very close to getting this, this scholarship and I missed out in the end, but I got to the final shortlist and looking back, I'm glad I probably didn't get it because it would have sent me in a different direction. <laughs> but, you know, that, that really stood, stood me in good stead uh, as far as um, having confidence about the story. So I think uh, that's a very important thing for any, any um, young journalist or broadcast journalist. And then gradually, as, uh, even though I was really, really poor, I found tools to try and make myself better and being quite an introspective kid and young adult i got into music um i did improv acting i was in london and tried that you know in the 90s and that really got me out of my skin you know out of my out of my box i should say right and then it just and then just one day just clicked you know i actually it was probably around in the mid 90s i started to get the hang of it you know even though that was 15 years into my career that was when i got break at BBC um, so I made the effort to try and develop skills um, you know as a, as a broadcast journalist and, and I would say it'd probably be another it's so a 95 I was on the air at BBC I still don't think I was very good but I, I, I was passable I was passable by the time I went to um, ESPN and then I went to local news and see and then local news and then CNN by the time I got to CNN in 99 I think I was quite good quite good right and so we Never. And that's almost like 20 years into my career, you know, so it's, it took me that long to get quite good. And then when I went to Asia in um, 2001, just after 9-11, and then I was, I was suddenly a leader. I was suddenly the guy that was the main face, you know, some of your uh, older listeners may remember, you know, Sportsline and Sports Center India. I was suddenly the main face of this network. So I had to take a lot more uh, responsibility. And then, then that's when I got probably good, good. And then of course, in the years since I feel like I've got better and better. So it, it's a long journey, so I'd say to anyone out there, just concentrate on what you're good at. Find, just kind of identify what am I good at. You know, is it that I, I shoot well, or I, you know, I, like someone like you, you're very articulate, which is good. I wasn't as articulate as you are, or you know, do I tell stories well? Work. So identify what you're good at, and then on the areas that you're not good at, try and uh, find ways to improve them and try and develop them. Because I'm the best example of someone that isn't natu not naturally. Uh, a good uh, presenter or not, not naturally comfortable in front of the camera, but I have found a way to do that. Um, so it's some people are naturals at it and I've worked with people that are naturals and were fantastic from, from the get go, but have had a lot lesser careers than I have because I worked a lot harder. I hope that helps. 
absolutely hard work always tends to pay off and this is something that my parents also say but it is true um there is one other question that i want to ask is that there was um a seminar in my college where one of a new one of the media professions said that if you want to build your career in tv news presenting and you want to go into presenting you should start on creating content at uh, content at a really young age so for me part of the reason why i came up with this podcast was to start building the confidence that you talk that you were talking about the uh, understanding what i'm good at so in this thing there's always a fight that happens in my mind where it is a fight on if i'm getting good views on my podcast or is the quality good enough for my podcast so for people who are uh, new in this genre who are young content creators what is your thinking towards it should your quality be over quantity or the quantity should be over the quality for all the young yeah definitely quality over quantity i i think uh, and that again this is part of the discipline of doing uh, creating content and right. i have a friend who worked at espn star uh, where i worked and and some of your listeners who are a bit older will remember him he was very famous and he's very talented so he 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 uh, you know he, he's in his mid 40s and he's gone into doing um youtube content he's really clever he's much more clever than i am and he's very good on camera and he's a natural on camera for sure but the only thing is he's very undisciplined when it comes to the length of his clips and you know they could be 15 minutes long or 13 you know and you as we know if something on youtube we see 13 or 15 as far as the duration we're kind of less reluctant less uh, we're quite reluctant to go ahead and watch it yeah so it's still part of the art and the craft of creating content so i'd say quality is very very important i mean obviously with a podcast it doesn't matter it's different to a youtube clip a podcast is some i mean i listen to podcasts every day i go for a walk for an hour and if it's a 30 minute podcast or even a 45 minute podcast i don't mind because i'm listening and walking but when it comes to youtube content i think it's always good to to keep things short and we know a lot of the best film directors um you know for films like american beauty which was a i think a one academy award in 2000 that guy was an ex commercial director um can't think of his name but he's very famous i think it's sam mendes so he was a commercial director so he went from because he could tell stories in 30 seconds or for you know 60 seconds at the most and then he told a story over an hour and a half or longer um so there is a real discipline i think you know it's good to to have uh, the practice of doing long form stuff but then at times you need to know okay this is how i can make it a bit shorter and more like people are likely to to uh, consume it so um i i think it's very very uh, crucial to just get the timing right and, and but again of course just keep working and keep doing stuff because the way that i got good was all those hours of of doing it of being on the air and doing show after show after show after show and i think podcasting and radio are fantastic as far as finding ways to articulate to think off the cuff and then to pivot if you you know you probably ask me a question i already answer your next question but suddenly you're thinking okay how can i segue into into what i'm talking about next these are all great skills to take into the tv broadcaster's chair right absolutely and um, speaking of that that brings me to the last question and this is something that i ask everyone who comes down to this podcast um this is a question that i keep on asking that since you yourself um are a journalist and you're also an entrepreneur because you found these two companies that is kukutu media and also desi media um what according to you is the key definition 
of entrepreneurship. What have you learned from this experience that you've got? It is something that I find it really relatable and something that really clicks with the guests. So I keep on asking the question to all the guests that comes down to the show. Well, look, I think entrepreneurship is all about looking for the opportunities and finding out what the market wants and, you know, where you can actually fit in. And my career has been, a, it's really been entrepreneurship and creativity the whole way. Yeah. And I'm not just talking stuff I do in front of the camera. Um, you know, I've had many, many setbacks and many knockbacks. And I rarely have I ever got a job through a regular job application, through an HR department or anything like that. So the creativity that I have is, is thinking, okay, where might there be an opportunity in the future? Um, for example, I worked at ESPN in Singapore, uh, you know, a few years after I'd worked for ESPN Star in a different uh, carnation when it was actually a joint venture. So, and ESPN had actually exited um, the market because of the joint venture agreement with uh, News Corp. And I knew that we're going to come back in. So I'm thinking there must be, there's probably going to be a job coming up soon, you know. So I'm just going to get in touch with these people because they've got a, a cooling off period and they're going to come back into the market. Sure enough, you know, I, I found the person to speak to and I got in there and basically helped create a job for myself uh, in this organization. And, uh, you know, I worked in that job for four years. It was very lucrative and everything else. So I'd say entrepreneurship is similar to that. It's about just you know, looking at where the opportunities are when it comes to business, where it comes to, you know, the creative space and all the people out there listening. And I know a lot of people are at you know, uni and college and they're very, very worried about opportunities within media because of the shrinking media environment. I'd say to them, yeah, traditional media jobs may not be existing the same way as they have in the past, but if you are open and you're using your creativity and you're looking around, there may be just perfect job for you. Uh, so that, that's what I'd say. It might, you know, again, wasn't uh, natural as a broadcaster. Look bad on camera, bad voice, you know, nervous. Everything a presenter should not be. And rarely ever got a job through a job ad or HR department. But look at the career that I've had. It's from being determined, dogged, obviously working hard, you said that, but also using creativity, not just in the job, outside the job in creating positions. Mm -hmm. So determination, hard work, being out of the box and making an effort are the ways how you can succeed in life, according to Jason. Isn't that right? You're telling it. And I think, and I guess the last thing I would say is, um, I, you know, I've seen some people of your age uh, or a bit older who are just sort of in love with the glamour of media oh, and they're not willing I'll agree to that. I'm going to agree to that. It, there, it is true. <laughs> yeah, so that, you know, I had, I actually tried someone out and uh, doing some digital media presenting and they were a very glamorous woman, a bit like a Kim Kardashian type. And, uh, but the skill level was really poor, lack of preparation, not interested in, you know, storytelling. Um, so I'd say to everyone out there in media, just, just fall in love with the craft of it, you know, fall in love with storytelling. If you love, you know, video editing, fall in love with that, you know, fall in love in some aspect of it rather than focusing solely on, on the money or on the glamour or because there's not really that much glamour when you're, when you're getting up at three in the morning to, to do a, a shift at BBC in London in the snow. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's very, very important to, to really focus on what you're good at and then try and, you know, write down. I mean, I'm always about goal setting. Write down what, where you want to be in five years' time. 
-hmm. say, this is me in five years time. It's, uh, you know, August, 2025. This is where I want to be and make it realistic. Don't say, look, I could say I wanted to play for Manchester United in five years time. It's not going to happen no matter how much uh, goal setting I do. Mm -hmm. So be realistic, um, you know, your talents and, and everything else, but amazing things can, can still happen if you dream big and then you do all the right things and stay open to opportunities and don't, don't close your mind off to the way things should be. We often can do that as human beings. We'll think about a scenario and then, you know, and, and it's very, it can be very kind of mainstream and traditional, but life is not like that. It's full of opportunities where you meet someone in a corridor and they say, Oh, look, we actually need someone for, for this project. How about you come in and have a, have a chat? So stay open and you never know what's going to happen. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jason for coming down to this podcast. It, it really means a lot. And it has been my honor in interviewing you and getting these key insights um, in this glamorous industry that I have always dreamed and will keep on dreaming in working in. And uh, I cannot stress this enough, but thank you so much for coming down to this podcast. Thank you very, very much. My pleasure, Aaron Jay. I wish you the best and everyone else listening out there. And it is a great profession. And I would not change a thing for the world. <laughs> Thank you so much. For more stories like this that talk about new media, how the media landscape has changed over the past few years, and also talks about entrepreneurship, please subscribe to my channel as I bring some stories that would motivate you, inspire you, and get you going. Once again, to the listeners, I'd like to thank them for listening to this podcast. And I hope to see you again for this Bond Sports Show.